You are now listening to Couch Coach Live. All right, so we're here once again here on Couch Coach Live. We got the feel-good edition of Couch Coach Live. <laughs> I got I got my guy who coined that phrase. I got my guy, Sean Robinson of CBS 6. What's going on, Sean? I'm doing good. Oh, it's the feel-good edition. Not Saturday, yet, but we're feeling good. We're Absolutely. Feeling good. I like that. <laughs> yes, the sir. feel-good edition of Couch Coach Live. I like that. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, yeah. So, um, so what's been going on, Sean? How's everything going? Everything's going good. I mean, we're, we're, we're fighting through this pandemic day by day here at the sports department at CBS six. Uh, but we are, we're just, we're grinding through, you know, this, we would be, you know, if this was a normal year. We would be doing this interview earlier because I'll be out of the football game, our game of the week. Uh, but instead, you know, COVID-19 said, you know, slow your roll and uh, we're going to, we're going to slow it down just a, just a little bit. So I'm here in the office talking to you, talking about all things Virginia sports and, and still keeping keeping things going. Yes, indeed. So before we get into that, so let's I want to talk about um like your journey, um, how you got to CBS six, and then just um people down the line that's um that's have influenced you in your career. Well, I grew up in Petersburg, about 30, 35 minutes from Richmond. Uh graduated from Petersburg High, went to uh, Richard Bland for a couple of years, then went to Virginia State. VSU, I should pull out my shirt, Trojan, <laughs> but this college, college color day, I have my VSU orange and blue shirt, uh, but went there, um, started at the, uh, started in athletics in the athletic department, was a PA announcer uh, for a little, about, a little while. Shout out to Greg Goins, who was a sports information director there, who kind of got my door, my foot in the door and uh, doing something in the media field as the uh, PA announcer for women basketball games that eventually then led me to uh, an internship at our radio station, WVST 91.3 was an intern there, became sports director uh, for a few years there. And then it's all about networking. A friend of mine, um, well, actually the, the TV director at the time knew the sports director at channel six. And basically without me knowing, without my knowledge, sent him an email and said, look, our sports director needs to get out there. He needs to get out of Virginia State. He needs to get his foot in the door. And anything you have available um, will work for him. Like I said, not me knowing any of this. Um, It started as freelancing in 2007, going to high school football games, shooting those, bringing it back to the station. Uh, Then one day uh, in August, or actually late July 2008, The weekend guy at the time left uh, to continue his radio career. They needed a spot. I was freelancing still for a few months. And uh, lo and behold, they offered me the the job on the day I was anchoring. Uh, Right before, let me tell this funny story. Um, Ten minutes before I was going on air, the news director at the time basically put it out there that we will offer you the job as a weekend sports anchor at Channel 6, and he showed me, like, the three-year contract salary. Um, and uh, he said, you know, you don't have to make your decision now, but we really want you to come. Now, mind you, I had to go on air in, like, five minutes, so it's almost like the poker face um, <laughs> after what went down. And uh, I was like, oh, really? So you're going to do this now before I go on air that you're going to offer me the job? And then after, you know, discussing it, 
and talking, you know, thinking about it. I was like, let's go ahead and make that move. Let's make that jump. It was, it was a little scary because I hadn't, you know, hadn't done live quote unquote TV. We had a television show down at Virginia State, the Trojan Sports Review, which was always taped. Um, but it was, it was, it was, it was new. You know, I was very comfortable at VSU doing radio, doing our, our show there. But this was a new audience. Some were familiar with me, some were not, you know. So it was it was a little different. But uh, it's been 12 years now, 12 years last month, and we're still rolling here at uh, SCBS 6. Yeah, man. Definitely congratulations on that. So Is any... It- yeah, so any other, like, as far as any, like, influence to somebody, like, you know, as far as that you, you attribute to your career? I know you talked about um, a few names. Anybody, like, as far as broadcasters that you emulated or what have you? Uh, there were two that I emulated, but I had to give a shout-out to uh, my late partner, uh, James Udell. He was the sports director at the time at WVST when I was an intern there. And it was me and three other people working with him. And um, he kind of gave us the avenue uh, to do sports at the radio station, whether it was, you know, we were helping with stats for football or we were doing the women's basketball games and kind of leading them into the men's basketball games or what, or if it was a spring sports or shooting video for the games. He, he gave me that opportunity. And, uh, and then after that, we, you know, we became a team when everybody else left. It was me and him for uh, probably five or six years, maybe a little longer. Um, we did all the football games. We did all the conference basketball games. We went to the uh, CIAA tournament, had a blast. We traveled uh, to Daytona Beach, Chicago, you know, all of the schools in the CIAA. Um, so he was the first one that he, him and Greg Goins were the two at Virginia State that got me, got me in the door. That was the first thing. And the, and the national people that I kind of emulated were like some old school guys. I was a huge Pat Summerall fan growing up. Huge Pat Summerall fan. He was very, he had that baritone voice, very simple, didn't make himself the story. Um, and he let us, he let John Madden be the guy. So me and James kind of coined that, you know, I'm Pat, you're John. You know, you're going to be exuberant, you're going to be crazy, and I'm just going to lead you in. And um, that was kind of like our stick. Um, and that was kind of like my football guy. That was the guy I was trying to emulate it to. I could, you know, I had to be descriptive with radio. But I didn't want to be too over the top. I didn't want to be too loud and obnoxious and crazy at times. And for basketball, there were a couple guys. Um, I was, I'm, I'm still a big, big Kevin Harlan fan uh, for basketball. Uh, I loved his, his descriptions. Um, his, his vocabulary is like crazy. And so I, I, I told him, I, I met him at a Redskins game a few years ago. And I told him point blank, I said, I stole some of your stuff. When I did radio, I uh, stole the, you know, if somebody was was double teamed, he was caught in a straight jacket or he was uh, or he was handcuffed or shackled. And, you know, those terms we probably can't use now in our society. Uh, But then, you know, I wanted to be very I wanted to be very descriptive. I wanted the, the audience to if they could, if they closed their eyes, I wanted them to really visualize what they what they were listening to. And I always said my best, the best compliment I could get if I did radio was you actually had me feel like I was at the game. And if I got that from you and if I gave that to my audience, I was set. Um, and so when I told Kevin that story, he just, you know, started laughing. I said, I stole a lot from you, you know, 
um, your diction sometimes, how sometimes if it was a big shot, the infliction of my voice, I would kind of use. Um, and then there was a guy, um, Wayne Larrabee, um, for those who uh, listen to the Chicago Bulls games on WGN when they showed the Bulls games on TV, when he when somebody made a three-point shot, he would say, ring it up. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. It's very, you know, very short, very descriptive. And if it was a big shot, you can really inflict your voice. So I told him, I saw him at an NCAA tournament, and I said, yeah, you know, big fan of your work. Um, I told him where I was from, and he was like, they showed Bulls games in Richmond, Virginia. I was like, yeah. I said, with WGN, before the contract was taken away, they showed a lot of those basketball games on WGN, and we would get it on our cable system. And so I told him, I said, I would steal a little bit of that from him as well. And he, you know, he kind of laughed and he appreciated it. Um, so those were like the, the three that I kind of, you know, pulled a little bit from using, you know, my voice and my, what I did, but kind of pull a little bit from each of those three. And um, I think it worked out from radio. I didn't hear a lot of negative stuff, um, but uh, I, I do miss it a lot. and wish, you know, I had the opportunity to do some more radio uh, play by play, but those were kind of like some of the influences and TV. Um, I, I was a big Stuart Scott fan. I didn't think what I could do, what he did, I could do because that wasn't my style. But I love what he did. Um, I was trying to think. TV. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't a lot of influences of us yeah. with TV. You know, you had Greg Gumble, you had Brian Gumble, you had Stuart Scott, you have uh, Jay Harris now on Sports Center. Um, ben Hamlin, a local guy. I would watch a lot um, with the competitor when I wasn't working at uh, at CBS six. Um, guy on CNN, Fred Hickman, he used to be on there on Sports Tonight. They used to kind of compete with Sports Center. I used to like his style a lot as well. Um, but I think you know, for TV, I don't know if I really have somebody that looked like me, unfortunately, that I can say you know I tailor my style. Maybe Jay Harris because he's very to the point. Um, he doesn't give a lot of slang. Um, a lot of catchphrases, um, but he's to the point. Um, he gives you what you need in that story, and I, and I hope I, I give that off to the to the audience who watches on CBS Six. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, CNN SI. Yeah, that's a. <laughs> I that's a blast from the past. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. I definitely remember those. Yeah, I and all right, well. with, uh, John, yeah. Fred Hickman and uh, Nick Charlie. Yep. I used to watch them when LeDan Patrick started on CNN. Yeah. And was it Vince? Was it Vince Janelli? Uh, Vince Janelli was on there. Yeah. Storm. Yeah. <laughs> Storm started on CNN. Those, you, you hear those names now. Uh, unfortunately, I think uh, Nick Charles passed away. But a lot of those guys who are now big time, like I said, Dan Patrick, Hannah Storm, uh, Vince Cellini, um, all started on CNN Sports Tonight as the, you know, the competitor to um to ESPN and Sports Center back in the late eighties. Yeah, and even to go back to your point with um with um Harlan, not Harlan. Yeah, um, yeah and it, like you said, and, and for some odd reason, I don't know for some odd reason, a couple times we had Minnesota Timberwolf games on the radio. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember, yeah. and then going back to your point where I remember vividly, like he he would put you in the arena. Yeah, it just it was very like descriptive, and it'll tell you all uh, the Timberwolves are wearing the white shorts with the Timberwolf logo with the gri- with the green stripe. I'm like, wow, I know, you know, I know what they're wearing. And if you close, and that's and that was his thing. It was like, if you close, and when I told him 
to me, that's the best compliment a radio announcer can get is when somebody comes up to you and say, oh, you did the game? You work for Virginia State or you work with the T-Wolves? Man, you had me really feeling like I was in the arena. I might be driving my car going somewhere, but to have that to have that feeling and to be so descriptive and so vivid to have your listeners say, man, you had me feeling like I was there. It was like, that's like the ultimate compliment. And that's what I would try to do. Like, you know, Virginia State wearing their road navy blue uh, jerseys with the orange stripes up the, up the shorts um, with the, you know, the navy blue, uh, short, uh, navy blue shorts, orange letters and numerals. You want to have that audience. You want to, you want them to close their eyes and know exactly what they're, what they're seeing, which direction the action is going. If the crowd is standing, uh, you know, you know, people that you know, like, Oh my goodness, this guy, you know, was leaked out off the bench off of that dunk or the bench stood when somebody made a three pointers. Like you want to kind of give them every possible visual you, you have in your time before your, your color guy takes over to let them know, okay, this is what happened. This is what you can see along with the action on the court or on the field. Yeah, absolutely. And one of my favorite things that you guys do here at CBS six Final score Friday. I think final score Friday is always my highlight of the week. And I appreciate of course, that's that. the, that's the, um, the highlights of the of high school football action here in Richmond, Virginia. So, you know, now we don't have it this year, unfortunately, it's due to, you know, circumstances beyond our control. But um, I just wanted your thoughts on just the talent in this area and uh, in prep football and how it essentially stacks and um, against other states. Your thoughts on just the talent um, here. They may think I'm going to be biased with this, but I think the talent in the 804, the 757, the 540, the 703, um, it can match up with any state in the country. Uh, we talked about it off air. I mean, we got guys from your old high school, Holland Springs, yeah. that have done successfully well uh, in Power 5 schools, Louisville, Wake Forest, uh, Clemson, um, Malcolm Green is going to Clemson himself after committing to LSU or thought about LSU. Um, kids going to Navy, uh, Army. You know, we got some of the private schools going to, uh, you know, Wilton Spate from Collegiate. Has started in Michigan, went to UCLA. Um, trying to think. We got guys from Benedictine going to Florida, North Carolina, Penn State. I mean, they – just you just look at the, the 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 rosters from major power five schools and you will see a lot of guys from 804 or the state of Virginia um, that have done well Virginia you know in the past they got kids from our area Billy Kemp uh, the fourth is looking to make a name for himself at UVA um, tech this year uh, Rayshon Ashby from LC Bird um, Jaden Payu from LC Bird, a, uh, a walk-on, a redshirt freshman who, who's expected to do big things at wide receiver. Um, at North Carolina State, uh, Isaiah Moore, who also comes from LC Bird. Um, I mean, I can go on and on with school. You know, Petersburg, uh, their starting quarterback committed to Western Carolina. You're probably saying Western Carolina, they probably has got a steal. He's probably one of the top quarterbacks in the state probably that you haven't heard. Uh, because he's from Petersburg, not going to my, my alma mater, um, but he's the all-time leading passer in Petersburg history, um, offensive player of the year in his region, Region 3A, uh, as a sophomore. Um, he's going to a good school. 
Travian Henderson, the number one recruit in the uh, 2020, number one in the state in the in the, in the 2021 class, um, going to Ohio State. We're early enroll in January. Um, all he did was set an area record with 54 touchdowns, over 2,500 all-purpose yards. Um, probably the best player in the state of Virginia by far. Gatorade State Player of the Year says it all for him. Um, I mean, I could go on and on. I mean, I'm missing a lot of kids from East Carolina. Kids have gone to East Carolina from Thomas Dale, from Matoka. Um, you got kids from Verina. Uh, this the young man just past week committed to uh, to James Madison and Jalen Walker. I know I'm missing a few, but I'm just I'm just giving you ideas of not only um, Division One Power Five schools, but you got arguably the best conference in FCS getting kids from William and Mary. Um, transfers. Um, Cole Blackman, who played at um, Hanover, then at Lee. Went to Virginia, has transferred to William and Mary. Um, trying to think, another um, kid from uh, the quarterback from um, Thomas Dale last season. His name escapes me, but he's going uh, to Richmond. So you, we got a lot of kids, and we can't forget the kids from Oscar Smith, um, the Lake Taylor, uh, Hampton from the seven five seven Stonebridge and Westfield in the uh, in the seven zero three and down in Southwest Virginia. Um, a lot of, a lot of great talent in this state. Um, and the, the schools now have, I guess maybe I realized, you know, it's not just the 757 and the 703. Those power five schools have come to the 804 specifically and have gotten some really good talent and talent that has done well at the respective schools who have gone on to get drafted. I think this past year, three players from the 804 got drafted. Becton got drafted. Wallace got drafted. Daryl Taylor, who went to Hopewell got drafted in all three made history. They were the highest drafted players coming from high school. Taylor was drafted in the second round and then Becton a first round pick, Wallace a fourth round pick. All three were the highest drafted players from their respective high schools. And we talk in Hollis Springs, you know, lost yeah. tradition. You can go back to, you know, Macho Harris at the time. He was the highest ranked or highest drafted player coming out of the fifth round. But Wallace and Becton, um, did a little bit better this past year. And like I said, Taylor out of Hopewell, taken in the second round, mm-hmm. highest drafted. Um, just in front of Monsanto Pope, um, that's a name from the past, who was drafted, I want to say, in the fourth round by Denver uh, a few years ago. So there's, there's a lot of good talent here in the state of Virginia. I, I, would, I would match it up with any other state. You could say Texas, Florida, California, New York, wherever. I would, I would stack up the players from Virginia up against any, anyone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, and I think those three guys are going to make immediate impacts in the NFL, I think next year too. So I yeah. think that's going to be another thing too. A lot uh, of people in Philly really loved the Wallace pick for what he did in Clemson. And they are raving about what Beckton just his size, his athleticism with that size. Um, they're expecting him to be the starting left tackle and protect Sam Donald's blind side in New York and Taylor um, great year, great career, even though it was a little bit of an injury at Tennessee. Um, but they're expecting a lot from him as well. I mean, second round pick, you're expected to come in. You're expected to, to not only maybe if not compete for a starting job, but to be a starter on that defense. Taylor's got all the physical tools. I mean, he had a foot injury at Tennessee, but he's got all the physical tools to be a great defensive player in the NFL if given the opportunity. Yeah, Absolutely. absolutely. 
So we we talk about uh, let's let's go to the little bit of college. So we okay. got two teams in our backyard. We have UVA and Virginia Tech, and I think these two teams are going to make some noise in the Coastal Division, where I think the Coastal Division in Atlantic Coast Conference is so wide open. Really, so, you think so? Per se, per se. Actually, okay. you know what's so funny? I'm a Carolina guy, so I I think Carolina will take it. Okay, okay. I'm, a lot, I'm a lot of people are, high, guy. people are high on Carolina. They think uh, they're they're the class. Of the conference, I've got to see it though. I've yeah, heard this before. Um, I've heard this before. I know Mac Brown did a great job last season, and they lost some close games. And you you just wonder if those close games turn in their favor this year. But we, to me, I got to see it. Yeah, I got to see them win those close games against divisional opponents to say, okay, Carolina, you're the team. I would always go with the champ until until otherwise. I go with the champ. UVA lost so much talent last season. And on the preseason poll, they're ninth in the conference. Tech is fifth. No UVA player made the preseason team, and only one for Tech made it. And that's Ashby, who I mentioned, the kid, a uh, young linebacker from uh, from LC Bird, is, that's played tremendous down at uh, Virginia Tech. I think he led the team in tackles the last two years coming from the linebacker position. Um, a lot of people are high on North Carolina. Um, <laughs> I, I I would I would hope a state school wins it. I don't know if this is going to be the year. Uh, you, you wonder about Brendan Armstrong, who's going to be the starter uh, for UVA. First test right out of the bat. It's going to be Tech on September 19th for the Commonwealth Cup in Blacksburg. Um, they lost a lot of talent at the receiver position. We kind of talked about that off camera with uh, with Joe Reed, Olamide Zacchaeus. Um, you're expecting Billy Kemp. He's now got to step up and be either a one or a two. Um, offensive line should be solid. Defense should look good. Secondary, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit concerned. They lost some talent in the back back end of that defense with Bryce Hall going getting drafted uh, by the Jets in April. Um, I just wonder, and and, and it's going to start with Bryce Perkins losing Bryce Perkins, who did it all. At UVA, I just wonder if they lost too much talent to turn around and now have those expectations, even though they're they're low, they are the defending coastal champs. They made it to the Orange Bowl last year. And you just wonder, is that bullseye, even though they're gonna even though they're predicted to finish ninth, is that bullseye gonna be on their back? And will every opponent play their best game against the defending coastal champs? We'll see September 19th um, with tech. And I just wonder how it has Tech also lost a lot. They lost a lot from transfers. They lost some um, players from opting out uh, of the season. Um, Hendon Hooker, I believe, is going to be the starting quarterback who played well um, during the course of the season and actually did play well in the Commonwealth Cup at UVA last November. Just unfortunately, he had a couple of turnovers and they lost the game. Um, Defense. New regime is not Bud Foster. How will they play now with a new defensive coordinator? Um, but I, Tech might be one of those teams you, you probably would have to watch out for. I think that the, the litmus test would be September 19th, how they will play at home against UVA. If they win that game, I would keep an eye out on Virginia Tech. If they lose it, then there could be some questions the rest of the year for Tech. Yeah. And I think, and I think both these teams can be kind of like the spoiler teams, where in mm-hmm. as far as can you know, because some some bizarre about the coastal where it just seems like everybody beats each other up. Yeah, I think it's they've had a, a, a different 
division champ the last seven years. I believe that's the stat. Um, and I think they're going to have another one this year. I, I can't see UVA repeating unless all the breaks fall their way. Um, but if not, there'll be a new divisional champ uh, this year in the ACC Coastal. Absolutely. So let's talk about um, my beloved Washington football team. <laughs> so before we get into the outlook for the season, yeah. On a scale of one to ten, how shocked were you this morning to find out that Adrian Peterson was released? I would probably say a five. It would have been higher if I didn't know that, number one, when Peterson came to Washington, he wasn't going to be the starter. Darius Geis was going to be the starter. Jay Gruden had said that Geis was going to be the starter that offseason. And Peterson was almost basically like an insurance policy. If Geis goes down or if he gets nicked up, we got a Hall of Fame backup to help us out. Turned out, like clockwork, Geis goes down. Peterson, first year, rushes for over 1,000 yards. And now we got, okay, let's see what happens the following year. Next year, they're going to, I won't say split it, but it would be like Peterson might be the, the number one guy, but we are going to give Geis that opportunity. And they did that in week one when they deactivated Peterson. Geis was a starter. He plays solid, but he gets nicked again. Peterson comes in, almost rushes 4,000 yards again last year. We're thinking, okay, Geis gets waived after his issues off the field. And you basically have, other than Peyton Barber, a lot of inexperience. You basically got three rookies, essentially. McKissick, Bryce Lever didn't play last year because of injury. And the, the guy they drafted out of Memphis, Antonio Gibson, who they are high on. So we're thinking at least running back, you're solid. You got AP and you got Barber, who could be your third down back, and you can slowly groom these, these new kids into the system. So to me, the surprise is a five, just because I thought Peterson was going to be, you know, the bell cow, and then it would slowly bring up those other guys. But in Rivera's system, he loves a lot of versatility. He loves that back that not, not only can be the bell cow rushing the football, he can also catch passes out of the backfield. He can also pick up blocks. He didn't think, to me, by making this decision a week before the start of the season, he felt that Barber must have done something really well at practice. Antonio Gibson may have really opened his eyes and felt like we drafted him specifically for this offense. And maybe he didn't want to disrespect Peterson to the point where we're going to give you 12, 15 carries and have your role diminish to allow these other guys to be in the spotlight. And doing it now, waving him now right before cut day, gives now Peterson an opportunity to be a free agent and see if contenders will now want him um, to come to their team. And to me, I think New England should be the team that gets him. I said that earlier today. A lot of people kind of say, mm, you know, but to me, New England is, to me, I think the Patriots would be the perfect fit for Adrian Peterson. Yeah. Special, you know, coupled with Cam Newton in that offense. Yeah. You got two guys that are looking to prove themselves people wrong. You got a coach that, to me, designs his game plan not throughout the, not season to season. Week to week, we're going to design our game plan based on who we're going to play. And if we got a, a team that is a little skeptical, you know, suspect against the run, we got a Hall of Fame running back that's going to can run it down your throat. 
and the fact that it does not put a lot of pressure on the wide receivers to, to, to make immediate impacts when outside of Julian Edelman, you got a lot of unproven commodities in New England with a quarterback that just came to the team six weeks, seven weeks ago, yeah. just handed the AP. Let him do his thing and allow those other guys to kind of play off of Adrian Peterson. That's what I would do. But we'll see what Belichick uh, has up his sleeve. I know he's got Michelle and uh, James White, but to me, if you get if you get a chance to get a Hall of Famer for a one-year deal on the cheap, you take it and see what happens. You still got those two guys in third-down situations. You catch passes out of the backfield, put them in a slot formation as well, and let Peterson you know, be your two or three down back if necessary. Absolutely. So with this team being three and thirteen last year, you would honestly would think there's it can't it can't get no worse. It's it's up from here. So right. what are your thoughts on um, this upcoming season for 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 my beloved uh, Washington football team? It's gonna be a long season, and that's speaking from <laughs> a fan. That's that I um, say see. Washington football. It's gonna be a long season. Um, yeah. I'm, I, I, Having covered this team now since 2008, I used to be that 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 over the top fan like, oh, they're go, they're gonna go ten and six, nine and seven. They'll make the playoffs regardless of all of the all of the talent. <laughs> nah, um, too much to me. It's too much controversy. Um, too much youth. Um, you didn't fill positions of need in certain spots. They still need a tight end, even though you got Jeremy Sprinkle and Richard Rodgers and Logan Thomas. You need a bona fide tight end, and no disrespect to them, but they're not—they're not what you think would be a number one receiver, a number one tight end. You still need a number two, opposite of Terry McLaurin, who you know he had, who did well as a rookie, but now, you know, the best corners are going to be on him each and every week. So how is he going to play as the number one receiver? Um, the running back now is a concern because you don't have Adrian Peterson. So now who's your starter? Is it, is it going to be Barber? Is it McKissick? Do you put Gibson in that spot? Or did they just say it's starter by name and we're just going to rotate all four? I don't know. I don't know what you do in that position. Um, left side of the offensive line, major question mark. Um, the right side, solid. I like Sheriff a lot. Um, I like Moses. Um, but you, you're not, you're not, 100% sold on the right side because you don't know about Sheriff's status next year. He's going to be a free agent. They only got him with the franchise or the, or the tender um, this year. Um, so he's going to be playing for a contract. So I'm assuming he would have one of his best years knowing he's playing for a big contract. But the left side of that offensive line is major question marks, major question marks. Christian and possibly Wes Martin are going to be your starters. I got concerns. Um <laughs> I got concerns in the safety position. I mean, uh, Rivera and the defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, high on Troy Apke to be the starter. I don't know. You're asking, again, a guy who has never started a game in the NFL to come in week one and play opposite Landon Collins, who he says this deep, this this new 4-3 will tailor and is best suited for this group, this personnel. I hope he's right. I have been calling for it, and a lot of fans have been calling for the change from a 3-4 to a 4-3 for years. They got the 4-3. Now we'll see. Was it the system or was it the players? We'll find out this year if, if that's the case. Um, but to me, the strength is going to be the defensive line. Uh, you've got 
Jonathan Allen, you got Matt Ioannidis, you got Derrod Payne, uh, you got Tim Settle, you got Ryan Kerrigan, you got Ryan Anderson, you got first round pick Chase Young. I mean, he can he can go eight deep. You can make two defensive lines uh, just with those guys alone, and hopefully they can apply some pressure on the quarterback this year and kind of mask the secondary because you got Kendall Fuller back. You paid him a lot of money, four years, $40 million. Who's going to play opposite him in the secondary? Is it going to be Jimmy Moreland or is he going to play in the slot? Is it going to be Fabian Moreau? Who knows? There are, there are too many question marks on this team, and it's too much youth right now. So – Washington fans, and I'm, you're one. I'm one. Three and thirteen. I will say, I'm gonna say five. I will say five and eleven. The, the, set, the schedule is brutal. That first week in December, those three weeks in December, after Thanksgiving, you play Dallas on the road, Pittsburgh, and then the 49ers. When you got Trent Williams, Kyle Shanahan, and Jordan Reed on the 49ers looking for revenge. That's the last game in that stretch. You got to fly cross country. Yep. Five and eleven. If they get, if they break even and go eight and eight, Rivera should be coach of the year, hands down. Absolutely. They said Belichick should be if he wins the division. If he wins the division, okay, with what he's got. If Rivera can go eight and eight with this group and all of those question marks and dealing with cancer yep. after a three and thirteen season, he goes eight and eight. If he doesn't win it outright, he should be co-coach of the year. Because that would be amazing if he can get this team to 500. Absolutely. And I find that holiday, that that Thanksgiving, and then that sat, that Sunday before Christmas, it's yeah. like the like where you're really gonna see the identity of this team because it could be they can yeah. deal with so much adversity. And then that's just you know the springboard going forward for 2021. So that's gonna be the yeah. point where you're gonna see a lot of a lot of guys playing for the livelihood. I think you know if they're if they're struggling, you know that'll be was that be week ten, week eleven, twelve or something? Yeah, something like that. Week ten, something like that. If they're floundering, two and seven, you know, three and six, you know, you might you might hear Rivera, you know, put a put a foot in their butt, talking about look, you know, we got X amount of games left. It's going to start our season. You know, your possible career starts Thanksgiving against Dallas. And then Pittsburgh, and then Car- and then San Francisco. They still would have to play Carolina, his form- Rivera's former team, uh, during that stretch, and in the year, on the road at Philly, who could be playing for a playoff spot by that time in the East. So you, you never know. I mean, like I said, that December schedule is absolutely brutal. brutal. Starting on Thanksgiving, absolutely brutal. So, to me, five. To me, I'm I'm, I'm hoping five out of eleven. I think they. I think they will be well coached. I think Rivera will put them in situations. I don't want to discredit what Jay Gruden did. Um, but I think, you know, the message kind of got stale near the end. Um, I think Rivera will have them well prepared. I just don't think the talent is there. I mean, some people have them as the worst team in the league. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would go that far. They probably would be. They probably would be last in the NFCs. Um, but I think five and eleven. But what I said, you see, you heard it here. If they go eight and eight with that team, he's coach of the year. Period. Yep, I agree. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so so who has been your favorite athlete that you've interviewed? 
Wow. Favorite athlete I interviewed. Um, counting my time at Virginia State, too? Yeah. Just your whole career. Whole career. Um, I've been a Wow. Mm. I have interviewed Jerry the King Lawler once. We did about a 30-minute interview. He did. Um, he threw out the first pitch at a baseball game at the, with the Petersburg Generals. It was a, a team in the Coastal Plain League before they uh, they folded. Came out, threw out the first pitch, and he came on our broadcast. And we we were we went nonstop, 30 minutes, no breaks. We kind of you know inserted and weaved in the game while we were doing inter- while I was doing the interview with him and talking about his career and everything like that. So that was that was a treat to have the king. Had the crown and everything. He was sat right beside me for thirty minutes and had a ball. Um, let's see. Um, hmm, hmm. There's a lot of athletes. I'm trying to think of my favorite. Um, you know what? I interviewed Magic Johnson, and being a diehard Laker fan, that was a treat. He was here. He spoke at an event. Wow. Um, this is 2020, I would say eight or nine years ago. Spoke at an event at Capital One, downtown Richmond. Not a lot of basketball talk, um, but he, you know, biz, the business side. Came out, spoke about the business side. And, and somebody took a picture of me. He was walking around the, the, um, the convention room, and we were about this close. He walked right in front of my camera shot, and I kind of had to take a – Step back to say, whoa, okay. But he just, when he walked past me, I'm like, wait a minute, Magic freaking Johnson just walked right past me. And then I got a chance to interview him one-on-one. We went into this other room and I got a chance to ask him like five questions. It was right when he uh, became co-owner or minority owner of the LA Dodgers. Aspire TV had just started up. So we talked a little bit about that, how cool it was to basically be the, you know, the the man of Aspire. You have a television, a channel. Um, we talked about the Lakers. Uh, so talk like looking at him, and I'm that close. And I mean, it was, it was that that was yeah. And even I'm a, I, I was I would have said Flair, mm-hmm. but I haven't interviewed Flair yet because he's he's my now he's he's the guy. But being a Laker fan, um, he would be one. Doug Williams would be two. I've interviewed him a few times, and I told him the story um, when he won the Super Bowl. I still have the the football card. It's got to be in my house somewhere. The um, the tops card. It kind of like has that 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 painter's painting print. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when he just won the Super Bowl, and I told him the story. I was like, I had the chicken pox when they beat Denver, and uh, I went to my friend, my uh, neighbor's house across the street. Um, he's and the policeman is a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan. He had a room allocated just nothing about Cowboy stuff. Old cornflake boxes, jerseys, footballs, helmets. So he lets his neighbor, Redskin fan, I'm gonna still say Redskin because at the time they were the Redskins, go and you know stay at his house and watch them play in the Super Bowl against Denver and they're down ten nothing and I'm just I'm like oh my god this is like uh, not over it's like eighty three all over again with the Raiders when he got beat. <laughs> And they put on that show in that second quarter, and I and just him and I talking about that, and him telling the story that he told on TV. He was like, "There's no way Jay Schrader was going to get in that game." 
after I, you know, twisted my knee. He was like, there's no way he's getting in that game. And just to hear him talk to me about that and just um, those two, just being a Washington fan and a Lakers fan, and I had the chance to speak to in person, one-on-one, Magic Johnson and Doug Williams. I, I, I've interviewed Joe Theismann, um as well, but, you know, guys that look like us, and I got Magic Johnson and Doug Williams. Those those are probably the two highlights of my, of my career at Channel Six. With was the opportunity to talk to those guys one on one, because you know it, you know when you get one on one, it becomes a little more personal. Yeah. More personal, yeah. You, know, you know he you know they they don't I won't say have their guard up, but you can ask the questions that you've always wanted to ask, and not have the competitor kind of take a take the sound and use it for their sportscast. So this was. Me and Magic talking about some good stuff, and then me, like I said, me and Doug talking about, it, and then off camera we talked for like ten or fifteen minutes. So yeah, that was that was those were those were uh, some some great moments, two top moments to get those to get those two one on one. Absolutely. So, what's your favorite events or events that you've covered? Um. Well, the CIAA tournament will always be my heart. I covered, you know, I, I went to the tournaments from 97 to 2008, everyone um, from the last couple of years in Winston, all of uh, Raleigh and the first three years in Charlotte. And then I got back there in 2017 and had gone to three, the three of the last four in Charlotte. Um, so CIAA tournament would always have a special place in my heart. Uh, love that. Love the experience of being with around our own, being around some HBCU grads. Even though you know the main focus is not basketball, you know it's 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 the networking, the the friendship, the camaraderie amongst our own. Even though there are rivals on the court, you know you get to you know walk around. It's like a party. It, it's a party, yeah. but it's a basketball tournament taking place in a party. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's 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 always going to be one of my favorite events to cover CIAA tournament. Um, the first playoff game, the first Washington playoff game I got to cover was 2012, which was RG3's rookie year when they lost to Seattle. I got to see that in person. So that was a highlight being a Washington fan to see my first ever NFL playoff game. I saw that one. I'm 0 for 2 because I saw their last two. I saw them against Seattle. I saw them against Green Bay in person. Um, but those those are big because, like I said, Washington fan, you always saw it on TV. Um, I wish I got to be at RFK for a playoff game because that would have been, like, just amazing. Yeah. FedEx is nowhere near RFK. Even I've never been, but hearing the stories and watching it on TV, FedEx is, you know, no comparison to uh, to RFK. Um, the, the national championship with UVA, um, I got to cover that whole, that whole run from the ACC tournament in Charlotte, all the way to Minneapolis when they beat Texas tech. That was a great moment. The, the VCU final four, um, I got to cover, um, I did get to go to the Super Bowl. didn't get to the go. I didn't go inside the Mercedes Benz dome in Atlanta, but I got to cover it. And got to see the uh, the Super Bowl experience. What takes place that Friday before when all of the fans come? It's almost like, um, kind of like the NBA experience, or if you're a wrestling fan, the WrestleMania experience. You mm-hmm. see all of the um, they have like this area where you can take a picture of the Super Bowl trophy. They set a you know a, a glass case, but you can stand beside the Super Bowl trophy and take a picture 
with it. And also they have a display where they have every Super Bowl ring from the first one to that most recent one, which Atlanta was Super Bowl 52, I I believe, 53. So they had the first 51 or 52 Super Bowl rings Mm -hmm. uh, on display. So that was really cool um, to see. But I would say, uh, like I said, CIAA be my one of my favorites. Uh, the two final, the two final four national championship runs with VCU and UVA. Um, the playoff games with Washington, um, and also the, actually the state turn, the state championships for high school football and basketball. Those, I mean, you know, if you're in a, at a major market, you don't get you don't cover the high school sports scene. But for us here. I mean, these crowds are just as passionate as going to an NFL game. And you know, when Hollow Springs won there yeah. four straight, I got to cover the I got to cover the first, the first, the second, and the fourth. Oh, no, I'm sorry, the, no, the first, the third, and the fourth. The one at Scott Stadium when they won their first, first yeah. then the last two at Hampton. Um, I got to cover Manchester's first state championship. Um who else? Uh, Elsie Bird's run. I got to cover two of their three when they when they three-peated. Um, I got to cover Megan Walker's last high school game at Monica when they won a state title. When they beat, uh, I want to say that was, I want to say that it was either Lake Taylor or Kings Fork. was one of those two. And they won by a point. Gino Ariemos at the Siegel Center looking down, watching the game, watching his recruit uh, score the last 16 Monacan points. To win the state title, um, it's, I mean those those crowds at the Seagull Center to see that. I mean, sold they sold out to see a girls basketball game. Yeah, you don't get that a lot across the country, but a, a, you know, seventy six hundred people came to the Seagull Center to see other games. But they that was one of the last games they got to see. They got to see Megan Walker play her final game, high school game, win a three peat. Um, so those those are some are some great moments. I got to to see their three peat. I got to see Cosby uh, do three in a row as well, and then they won a fourth after that. Monica won a fourth after their three peat. Um, trying to think. Uh, actually, you know the rivalry games for college football. I've done I've done two Commonwealth Cups uh, for UVA and Tech. This past one, when UVA stormed the field and they finally won the Commonwealth Cup, they they broke the streak. And I got to be there. That was that was really cool to 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 see, you know, fifteen years just, you know, just drift away. You know, it was it was that was it was a scene I will never forget. CAA championships when VCU won the last one before they went to the Atlantic Ten. Same thing. They stormed the court. You know, stuff like that. It could be scary, but just it's just there is something is something there when they storm the court or they storm the field. It's like the the scariest thing you'll ever see. <laughs> but it's it's it could be one of the most exciting things to cover because it's just all of that passion and that excitement. You work so hard to, like I say, either break a streak, or win a championship, and and, then, and it's right there. You're in the middle of it. Yes, yeah. it's it's, uh, it's great. It's it's those those are some good moments coming. Absolutely, yeah. And knock on wood, hopefully we'll be at RFK. <laughs> it's a oh. you know. <laughs> I mean, as far as the new stadium. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. You, you, so it you know, 
I mean, if they could do, if they could do one, if they could do an, uh, uh, a newer RFK at the at the old site of where it is, I mean, yeah. I would love it. I would love it, but it's gonna it's gonna take a lot of red tape to make that happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the tapes got cleared, so the name changed. So baby steps, I guess. <laughs> is, that's the that's the first domino. Right. Right. Well, 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 the first domino was the name and the and the logo. So that's that's huge. So we'll we'll see. You know few years down the line. And that's what the team president said. We want a new stadium. He said, when I talked to him, uh, that was another one I forgot. Well, he's not an athlete, but, you know, to talk to the team president, African-American, black guy, you know, cool. Um, That's one of the things he said. What he wants to do in his tenure as team president is I want to build, I want to get a new stadium for for the team. So let's, you know, hopefully from his mouth to God's ears, make that happen. I know. (laughs) So... (laughs) So we're rounding out tonight. So with, I want to know your top five athletes. It doesn't have to be athletic ability. Just any your top five athletes that you that you like. Your top five that I've covered, or just as a fan like fan fan covered anything. Any, any just your your personal top uh, top five. Um, well, in no particular order, I'm gonna put Kobe in that mix. I mean, just I mean, just his mentality. His never say die attitude on the court, refusing to lose. I mean, number one, I mean, he's, he's on that list. Magic's going to be on that list. Um, those are two. Mm. Wow. Athletes that I've liked or covered or just as a fan. Um, I'm going to put Flair. Okay. I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm a wrestling fan and I, I, I mean, he's, he's, not only what he, how he performed, but how he spoke, how he dressed. He, he, he played, he played that part to a T. So I will put Flair up there, and I know there's gonna be some guys I'm missing if I do this. Um, I'm gonna say, wow, a favorite athlete I covered. Well, shoot, there'll be two, two when I was at Virginia State, but there, there's a lot more. But two that I really, that I really. You know, we're, we're tight to this day. Um, Damon Red Thompson, um, he, uh, high school, God, let me think. I don't want to get his, his high school wrong. But let me just say, and I said this when I was on air at Virginia State, and I had said this to anybody that would listen, if I had to pay to go to a Virginia State game in his prime, I would have paid to see Damon Red Thompson. An immediate guy don't like to pay for any, any game. None. But he he it was like as soon as he touched the ball, you thought he you thought it was six. You thought it was six. Um that's one. PJ Barry was another one. I'm probably gonna go over five, but he he had that same type of that same type of electricity. And um I had a chance to be the um the MC when PJ Barry got inducted into the Hall of Fame and he kind of had the joke like um when I would do my highlights, or if I said it on the air, and I said if he was in the open field, PJ, 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 <laughs> and he said that during his speech, and I kind of nodded. I was like, no, I didn't do that. And he he kind of acknowledged that, but you know, just guys that you know you covered on the field, but then you got to know them really, really well off the field. You got to know the families, you know, his mom and dad, um, with Demond, his son, his wife. Who, who was a cheerleader at VSU? Um, oh, I'm sorry, Woo Woo. 
not cheerleader. Woo. <laughs> I apologize. Um, but people like, you know, athletes like that, coaches like that, that I've had covered. You know, I've covered Megan Walker and got to know her really well and know his her family um, really well. Um, but, I mean, if we do five, I would say, P, you know, PJ and, and, and DeMond would be on that list because I saw them, you know, has some amazing performances at Virginia State that, you know, I wish I had the tape, the videotape to to show and put on YouTube because, man, they they were special. They were special at Virginia State, no question. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Sean, where can they find your social media? They can go uh, to Twitter. My my handle is CBS at CBS6SportsSean. Um, that's my Twitter. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can do, do so at SKR1125. Uh, my Facebook page, my work page is Sean Robertson hyphen WTBR CBS6. Um, you can follow me on all three. And, um, and you can catch me every weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday here on CBS6. Uh, the Feel Good Editions on Saturday and Sundays. Um, and then during the high school, you know, if there was a high school football season, We'll, we'll preview a lot of the area teams, kind of, you know, let you let you hear from the coaches how they're dealing with the pandemic, how they're dealing with no fall football, how they're preparing, how he how they are getting their kids prepared for a spring season. And, you know, maybe the possibility of some kids that may decide to opt out or, you know, if they if they commit, they don't play or early enroll. So so a lot to, to have uh, to, to cover. Uh, during the year, even though there's no fall football for us for high school, but you know we got college with uh, Tech and UVA in the fall. We got the with the Washington football team set next Sunday, September 13th, home to the Eagles. I'll be in front of a television because we can't go and cover, can't shoot the game. That's right. So there's no, uh, you know that, and that's the reason we go. We go there to get our footage. We go there to to to, to talk to the coaches, to go in the locker room and talk to the guys. And that's in, you know, with COVID-19, can't do that. So we'll, I'll be in front of a TV and show the highlights on the feel good um, on Saturdays and Sundays. So, yeah, CBS at CBS 6 Sports, Sean, SKR 1175, 1125 on Twitter. I'm sorry, on Instagram. Twitter is at CBS 6 Sports, Sean, and on Facebook at Sean Robertson hyphen WTBR CBS 6. Absolutely. We definitely thank you for coming on to this week's Couch Coach Live. We're definitely looking forward to seeing you this weekend on CBS 6. And My thank pleasure, you man. I, pre- I appreciate the time. This you didn't, you didn't throw me any hard questions. I'm glad. I, I didn't want to sweat in front, <laughs> in front of the audience. Um, but, yeah, this was, this was great. I appreciate you uh, reaching out and, uh, and inviting me on to, to the feel-good edition of Couch Coach Live. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And man, we got we got to do this again, man. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. I would love that. Just let me know. Absolutely. So this has been this week's Couch Coach Live. We appreciate everybody for checking us out this week. And we out.